0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio
1: app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
2: Hi, I'm Richard Gershon, the host of In Legal Terms and a professor at the University of Mississippi School of Law. If you miss a live In Legal Terms episode, find our podcast,
3: inlegalterms.mpbonline.org
2: okie dokie folks welcome back horticulture's failed to rush hang on there's a button if I push a button over here will something come on it's
1: uh, behind the back left of the the monitor
2: behind the back left of the monitor hang on a second left. left for me right for you sorry let me oh, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. We, we're going to be talking about gardening for the next hour. We'll figure this out. Hey, y'all, it's the first of May. Yesterday we had Leap Day, Leap Year, and I was down at the kill K-I-L-N, they call it the kill, down uh, almost to the coast. And it was a big, big group of, I'm going to say weirdos, gardening people coming out just to listen to somebody rant and rave about gardening. And uh, uh, Abram is, you know, this is a small town. This is, I've lectured literally... Worldwide. Uh, overseas, here, across the whole country. This is the first time I ever went into a place where in the bathroom there's a sign that says, no spitting tobacco in the urinal. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm in the kill. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, that is exclusive to that area. <laughs> but it's okay. We had a, we had a good time. And uh, uh, the librarian there, Nell Dukum, she's such a wonderful person and a uh, good crowd. And we talked about just guarding stuff and laughed and whooped it up. So, uh, and I appreciate everybody coming out, a lot of listeners to MPB, a lot of people on the Mississippi Gardening Facebook page, and uh, just a lot of a lot of people who don't, not Master Gardeners, not Garden Club, just people who like to garden. We don't have, a, unlike sports people, you know, any kind of sports, they have stands for people to sit in. They have uh, 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 venues and clubs and stuff like that for for independent gardeners, people who just knock around the yard. We don't have... A club, because we're not joiners. And so anytime we have a chance to to get together, it's really interesting plants, interesting people who don't have anything in common except growing stuff.
1: Do they they come to see you and they all sit on the ground with blankets and stuff?
2: Uh, yeah, and, and 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 blow bubbles, you know, and all this stuff. No, no <laughs> they it, make flower it, it, crowns. It, it and what was not. just in the library. And a matter of fact, I'm giving another talk like this next Thursday afternoon at the Startville Library, which will be interesting because uh, right next door is Mississippi State, where I'm not on great I, I retired from state, so it'll be interesting because I have to do this. Uh, what is it called? A social uh, a, a, a signal, a signal shifting? What, what's it called? I can't remember. Well, you you have you know you, I can't I can't just be when I go on a campus I got to put on a coat and tie my hair back and and be all horticultural. Oh, but you
1: gotta you gotta dress up like you're not. Felder. Yeah, yeah.
2: But I'm gonna be at the library, which is in town, so I can just be me. We were just talked about gardening. <laughs> so anyway, there's some stuff going on in my garden right now that I'm that I'm pleased with because I actually got around to doing it uh, a couple of weeks ago. I planted some some English type peas, three different varieties. I planted some onions. I sowed some lettuce seed, and it's all up. Um, And I've got some pansies and violas. I've got uh, kale and uh, parsley. There's a lot of stuff going on out there, and the daffodils are kicking. Daffodils are all over the state. And uh, from the coast all the way up to North Mississippi, Tennessee, uh, Alabama, Louisiana, Arkansas, we've got Daffodils. And uh, a lot of people are saying, oh, this is a sign that spring's on its way. Daffodils saying spring is almost here. And, I'm pushing back on that a little bit. Daffodils do not say spring is on its way. Daffodils are saying we got great stuff in the wintertime. (laughs) A lot of people put stuff off for greater rewards later. No, I'm going to savor the day. Carpe diem, seize the day. We've got some terrific daffodils. Here's the deal, though. A lot of people have daffodils in their garden that are just clumps of leaves. They don't bloom. Um, and they look around and see all these daffodils everywhere and saying, what, what's, what's up? How come mine don't bloom? It's because there are a lot of different kinds of daffodils. Not all of them bloom well in the South. Some do better in Michigan or Canada or Germany. A lot of daffodils, uh, like so many other plants, they have varieties that do better in different Climates, and the ones that do best for us are typically the early blooming types, um, and we 're talking about right now there's there's paper whites that are so fragrant uh, we've got uh, uh, jonquils, little small skinny reed light leaves we 've got lots of different colors uh, i mean yellows and whites and goldens, but the daffodils that do well down here are early blooming they they don 't need a lot of cold, and most important, when they get through blooming they 've got time before the leaves die down to make next year's bulbs and flowers. The ones that do better up north, they bloom later. Typically, they get cut down early. They don't make the next year's flowers. So anyway, the ones you see around old home sides, along the roadside, those are a subset of this large group of plants we call daffodils or narcissus. And if you want to know the best kind for Mississippi, the kind that do well, uh, even along the Gulf Coast, I've got a list. I put this list together working for <laughs> A half a century. My great grandmother had 350 different kinds of daffodils and knew their names and I helped her with them. And here it is all these years later. There's only a couple of dozen or so that are real dependable, real rebloom, spread, multiply. There's only a couple of three dozen that do great here. And I've been paying attention and wrote them down. So if you want a list of this, too late to do anything about this year. If you want a list of it, uh, shoot me an email. Go to FelderRushing.blog, blog, and just say daffodil list. You don't even have to say please. I don't care.
1: Now, Felder, we've got some calls coming in, uh, but before we get to our first one, I want to say thanks to the Varicosity Vein Center. This episode, the podcast of this episode is brought to you by the Varicosity Vein Center. So, For more information, visit com. And uh, so we always appreciate the sponsors and the, the people that help us out here at MPB. And uh, we appreciate Varicosity Vein Center.
2: And I, 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 we appreciate that a whole lot. I also appreciate a producer, Kevin Farrell, just came in and helped me find the button on the back of the screen. <laughs> I mean, I was pushing all sorts of stuff. and no, You know, the lights went off in the front of the office. I was pushing so many buttons.
1: Yeah, I saw the lights flickering and the, the whole computer shut down and whatnot. But we're good.
2: Okay, so uh, which, which call do we go to first? Let's go to Marshall in Clarksdale. Okay, up in the Delta. Hey, Marshall, good morning. Good
4: morning, soldier. so good to talk to you. Thank you. I'm
2: going be in Clarksdale, by the way. We're going to be broadcasting this program live from the Crossroads Blues Festival uh, next month.
4: Oh, wow. I can't wait to see you. I didn't know.
2: Good. Well, what's up? What's What's going on?
4: So on February 22nd, I took some potato seeds that I had, and they had the little nodes coming out of them and everything. Wait, so wait, 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 wait.
2: You say cicada seeds?
4: <laughs> potato seeds. Potato
2: seeds. I got gotcha. you.
4: <laughs> I haven't got any cicada seeds. Um, <laughs> but they hadn't had any leaves on them yet, and uh-huh. I put them about three inches into the ground, and I'm worried I killed them already.
2: Well, did you just, uh, whether what, what, you took potatoes and cut them up into pieces and planted them, right?
4: I did. I let them cure for two days and good, I put them in the garden.
2: Good. It's a little bit early. I planted mine about oh a week and a half or so ago, and just yesterday I saw one little thing starting to poke up. So okay, it's, so I it, didn't. It's, I didn't bury
4: them too deep
2: or anything. No, I mean they don't need to be buried really, really deep. But it's you know so so you know and and we haven't had so much cold rain that they were likely to have rotten. I just think it's taking a little time. That's all. But uh, do you, have you grown potatoes before? I never have. Okay, here's the deal. You may already know this. Other folks are paying attention. Um, when they grow, when they poke up through the ground, potatoes don't form on the roots of potato plants. They grow on the lower stem. So as they grow, potatoes grow on the what what's going to grow after you plant it if it's in total darkness. So when the leaves do poke through, as soon as they poke through really, really good, cover them up completely let them poke through that cover it up again and keep doing that every time they show a little bit of green after a day or so cover it up and what happens over a period of oh uh uh, two or three weeks maybe uh, two or three weeks you'll have a plant that's growing out of a pile that's about a foot deep of leaves or dirt or whatever that's where the potatoes form got to keep it in total darkness though so as they grow just cover them up Seems mean but that's that's the way they grow
4: Okay, thank you, Father. I'll write that down and keep it in
2: mind. I don't write it down; okay. just just remember. If you see it, cover it up. Okay, if you
4: see it covered up, thank you, Felder. Okay, we'll appreciate,
2: appreciate it, Marshall. Festival. Hope to see you next week, uh, next month.
4: Thank you.
2: Bye. All right, now let's head over to Brandon. Talk to Teresa. Good morning, Teresa.
0: Hello. What's up? Okay, thanks for taking my call. Um, I have some running bamboo.
2: Oh boy, is it yours I or know. your neighbor's?
0: It's mine. I put it there, but I didn't put a barrier around it.
2: And you knew you should have when you did it.
0: Yep, I know. (laughs) But anyway, what we wanted to do was to trench around the area that we want to keep and put concrete in those trenches.
2: You don't need to go that much. I mean, you can if you want to, but you don't need to to do that. Uh, Just a trench will do. It, it won't, you know, it, it it can't cross thin air. It'll take it forever to go down and come back up. So if you just dig a nice little trench, even a shallow trench, um, and then make a cut, and everything on the bamboo side will do fine. Everything on the yard side, you know, you can get rid of it. And then just every couple, of three years, just make a cut right down the middle of the trench because those rhizomes are real shallow. You don't need to go the concrete route.
0: Okay. Okay, but if we did... Dig a trench. Yeah, for twenty-two inches, be okay. Deep
2: S- enough. Six inches is enough. I mean, they don't grow from roots. They it's a it's a that rhizome on top of the ground. It grows in the top uh, two or three inches. Okay. See, so you know you don't you know it's not gonna you know, if, if you did that if if you only do it two or three or four inches it's gonna go up under there. So you know if you're gonna if you're gonna do that much I'd go maybe a foot. But like I say, if you just do it just a little ditch. And then just, you know, every couple of years, just take a shovel and cut straight. Anything that tries to cross the ditch, it's real easy to, you know, to when when it first starts growing, to keep it from crossing it. Yeah, yeah. So we'll try that. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the, the rhizome is real shallow. It's a sideways stem. It's not a root. And the sideways stem called the rhizome is usually only two or three inches deep.
0: Okay, well,
2: thanks a lot. Okay. Hey, what you going to do on the other side? What you going to do on the side where you don't want it? How are you going to get rid of the stuff that's, <laughs> that's already spread?
0: It's already a little gully that water runs down, uh, the side of it. So yeah. it's not causing that.
2: So, So so far it hasn't crossed over where you don't want it yet.
0: Well, they're starting to grow down in some lilies that I have, and I don't want them in the lilies.
2: No, no, they—they—they they, they, they like lily dirt. They really like lily dirt. Uh, you know, Ned, you know, because the ground is soft right now. If you were to make just a, a few cuts here and there you know, just uh, a three or four inches deep, then you can pull up the ones that are outside that ditch because they're real shallow. When the ground is moist, you can pull those rhizomes up. Uh, again, it's not like a bunch of roots are going to come back from. It's just a, a sideways stem is all. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. Okay. I g- hope I saved you some effort here.
0: Yes, you did. <laughs> okay.
2: Thanks. Now, by the way, folks, there are some bamboos that stay in clumps. They just slowly spread. We've got one of my great-grandmother planted that's maybe 10 feet across. So it sounds like a lot, but she's got a two-acre yard. Uh, but it's a slowly, hour-spreading clump. It doesn't send runners that pop up in the neighbor's yard. So a lot of different kind of bamboos. But if you want to plant regular bamboo, it needs to be contained. As we say, it'll get away from you. And now it's
1: time for Answers to Questions Nobody Asked with Felder Rushing.
2: That's right. Uh, Thank you. No, this is the thing. Nobody asks because they think they already know. It's one of those things where everybody knows what they're talking about until a smart guy like me comes along. When I say smart, there's a little space after that. Uh, And the thing is, what's the difference between a snowdrop and a snowflake?
1: You explained it to me. I I know a little bit.
2: (laughs) They grow alike, and everybody says, oh, I've been growing snowdrops forever. I say, well, show them to me. And they've never shown – I've never seen a snowdrop growing in Mississippi. Maybe up in extreme northeast Mississippi, uh, they'll do all right. But this is the plant that grows better in Canada than it does here. Snowdrops and snowflakes – Come up like daffodils. The leaves come up in the fall, late fall and winter. They bloom right now. When it gets hot, they die down. They grow just like daffodils. And both of them have got spikes with little, little white flowers on them. Uh, and they're called snowflakes or snowdrops because typically they come up when it's snowy. Anyway, snowdrops, uh, look like little, little, little drops of white when they open up, but then they grow f- They flare out with two wings, and the little petals on the inside, is white. They got wings, but they got little upside-down green hearts on them, but they're spread out. They're flared. They got wings on them. That's snowdrops. What we have are little bells with green dots on them. No, yeah, you got some with you right there. Yeah, yeah, this is all over the. It's all over the the the, the deep. This grows up north also, but the snowflake, little bells with green dots on each petal. Snowflake. This is snowflake. Snowdrops flare out with wings, distinct wings, and little green hearts. Nobody cares about this, but <laughs> but me. And yeah. people say I grow snowdrop. Here's a problem though, uh, Abram. If somebody says, "Well, sn- snowdrops grow great here," and people go online, they order snowdrops, they plant them, they bloom once, and they disappear. And they say, "Well, why can't I grow?" Because snowdrops don't grow here. <laughs> snowflakes do, but nobody calls them snowflakes; they call them snowdrops. So they, the 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 snowflakes kind of look
1: like. Uh the or No, the, the ones with the wings, they kind of look like those seeds that come down from trees, yeah, and th- they spin around when they that's drop. That's
2: right. They, they look like maple samaras. They look like yes. maple things. They, they, they look like little helicopters. But anyway, we don't grow snowdrops in Mississippi. If you want to call them <laughs> snowdrops, you go for it. But if you tell your neighbors and they order some... They're going to be failures. Anyway, snowflake is all over. It's an old heirloom plant. It's easy to grow. It sets seed. It spreads like crazy. Uh, it's just a terrific complement uh, to daffodils and other uh, flowers that bloom this time of year. Terrific little plant. Snow, snowflake. The Latin name, by the way, is Leucosium estivum. Ah, uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. I as knew a, that. The snowdrops is Galanthus nivalis. I, you know what? I'm impressed that you can remember all this. I can't balance a checkbook, Abram. I can't do any of that stuff. But I know Latin, and, and let me throw one more little thing. Uh, there, a lot of people call these uh, lily of the valley. And and lily of the valley doesn't grow here either. Really? Lily of the valley has got spikes of little tiny white bells, long long spikes with lots of little tiny white bells, no dots, and it's a spreading ground cover. So people call them snowflake, I mean, they call them snowdrops or lily of the valley or wedding bells, whatever. These are folk names, but if you're going to order some, if you want to plant some, that's the reason you need to know the difference. And there you go.
1: <laughs> yeah, when you're when you're saying the Latin names, uh Marissa's in here with me and she said you sound like you're you're casting Harry Potter spells. I am. <laughs> yeah. Galanthus Nividus. <laughs> you got to you yeah. got to get the twirl of them. Yeah.
2: <laughs> anyway, it's a little this little hortical. It, it again, it doesn't matter to me or anybody what you call these plants, unless you're trying to order some, and you order something that you think you're getting, and it's the wrong plant. That's all it is. to it. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on out there, folks, right now in the garden. Uh, a whole bunch of people, including Kevin Farrell, came in. What can I do about all these wild onions, wild garlic in my yard? i got to spray these weeds. Said, no, you don't. Just leave them alone. You do not have to mow winter weeds in the lawn unless you live in a neighborhood, maybe like Kevin does, I don't know. But it's okay to have winter meadow, and then as soon as you start mowing, it disappears into a summer lawn. Uh, matter of fact, up north they had this thing called No Mow May, and here is No Mow March. If you don't mow your lawn at all this month, it's going to have uh, wild onion and garlic, it's going to have hen bits, it's going to have dandelions, it's going to have uh, wild garlic, it's going to have... uh, uh Uh, Spring Beauty is going to have all these little wildflowers that if you notice, they are loaded with little pollinators, bees, little pollinating flies, little butterflies, things that need something to eat, in March, and the only thing out there in town is in your lawn. So you don't have to mow those things. If you'll just mow a path around it and through it to let the neighbors know you know what you're doing, doing it on purpose, put a little sign out there saying no mow March, wildflower, butterfly crossing, something to let the neighbors know you're doing this on purpose, then you can get away with it. Or better yet, if you have trouble with lawn weeds right now, and you don't really want to spray because sprays aren't really that effective this late. Sprays work better in January or early February. And if you just can't stand it because it looks like you're not taking care of your lawn, this fall, plant you some snowflakes out there. Plant some daffodils. Put a few daffodils out there here in your lawn and here and there in your lawn. And people will think that's nice. They'll think you're doing it on purpose, and really all you're doing is you give them something to look at instead of what they call weeds. It's perfectly okay to have a a winter meadow. I don't mean meadow. Meadow is like knee-high, waist-high, a fl- what I call a flower lawn. It's okay. And if you want to mow them, no problem, but more around a patch. If you've got clover in your yard, leave a patch because the Easter bunny is going to have to have a place to lay some eggs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now Felder, we uh when we're doing these uh we're talking about the weeds and stuff in the yard, I never know the name of it, but my neighborhood is uh has a significant amount of those uh the weeds that pop up and they've got little purple sprouts on the on the sides of them they look like little twirl that they, they they look like cylinders kind of, and they have this little purple I always called it periwinkle I know that's not it, but i I never known what that is. I don't either. <laughs> I'm glad we cleared that up. <laughs> <laughs> Take a picture.
2: <laughs> yeah, I should have. I should have. No, there, there's a, there's a whole lot of really, really cool, uh, s- s- late winter, spring wildflowers. Here's the deal. Horticulture. Let me put my horticulture cap on. If you've got problems with, with weeding your lawn, you cannot see it as a meadow. You must control them. It's just about too late. And here's the reason why. These things that, that bothers us in, bothers in, in uh, February and March before we start mowing, the ones that give us the biggest fits, they started growing back in the fall. They're young. They're small. They're just sprouting out. They're sending energy down to their roots. Right now, they're bigger. They're growing up. They're flowering. They're setting seed. They're sending energy up. And weed killers don't work well on plants that are sending energy out. Up. So if you have a real problem with these things that's driving you nuts, here's what I would recommend. First of all, and I'm, I've got to be real careful about how I say this because some people get upset about it, but this is based on MSU Turf Science 101 in decades of experience. Don't use weed and feed. I know it's com- popular. I know it's convenient. I also know that it's a marketing scheme that's a high profit item, which is the reason it's being pushed a lot. Nothing wrong with the ingredients in weed and feed. Their fertilizer is fine. Weed killer is just okay. You always get better control with, with liquid sprays than you do with granules. So it's not a really even a good uh, weed killer. Up north where they have different kind of grass, it works fine. But down here, um, you're better off spraying your weeds early while they're small. And I'm talking about stickers and clover and dandelions. and All those things are easy to, to control in late December, January, early February. They're easy to control then. Right now, they're harder to kill. But not only that, your grass is starting to green up. It's already starting to green up. And these herbicides can damage grass while it's greening up. So if you can... Live with them. Mow us out there. Just mow them this year. Get through this year. Spend this summer getting your grass thicker and healthier, and then sometime in late December, next January, go out there and look at See little green patches here and there. Squirt them. That'll work. Wait until April to fertilize. We're a month away from the earliest recommended fertilizing for lawns, and there's reason for this. If you fertilize early, the grass will green up quick. But it's more susceptible to to diseases in cold, wet soils. If you have weeds out there, the weeds love that fertilizer. But most important, if you kick – grass into growing too fast too early when it sprouts out that's when it makes its new root system for the year and if you fertilize it too early the grass greens up at the expense of roots and a month later it's got all this lush growth out there and no roots and saying hang on what's wrong here so just wait until the grass has been mowed a time or two wait till april to fertilize it's not my job to tell you what to do, what not to do. But if you want a good quality lawn, don't fertilize it before April. This is not my opinion. This is based on Southern turf management. Wait till April to fertilize. And if you got a bunch of weeds, you might want to squirt them this weekend. If it's not it's supposed to be pretty a little bit later, but it have been a whole lot better to spray in January or just mow and leave a few patches for the butterflies. So. Anyway, that's my little rant there. Weed and feed is a combination of two ingredients. That's a bad con. I give you, Abram. Imagine how popular it would be if if kids had a toothpaste that has sugar in it. Oh yeah, that would be terrific. And yeah, there's some nothing like wrong cherry with cherry
1: flavored or something yeah, like that. Yeah, cherry
2: flavor with sugar. There's nothing wrong with sugar. Nothing wrong with toothpaste. Not a good combination. <laughs> and that's what weed and feed is. Hey, let's uh, go to. Uh, Jackson, and talked to Beatrice.
1: I, I think uh, we're still getting her ready. Oh, that's um, right. It's lime
2: green. The hadn't yeah, orange Not quite
1: I, there yet. I, but I, I, I looked it up. I think that the weed that I was talking about is uh, purple dead nettle.
2: Yeah, bit. Yeah, purple dead nettle or, or nettle or henbit. Okay.
1: They're, they're I've cl- never heard related. that word before.
2: What purple dead nettle?
1: Yeah, I never, no clue what that was, but that's, that's what, what's all over my yard. That's it's what, really pretty. But I was it, wondering, should I go ahead and cut some no, of it down? No, or? no,
2: no, 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 no. If you look at it real close, those little flowers, they look like little furry purple orchids. Look at them really, really close. They're really, really pretty flowers. Uh But dead nettle, purple dead nettle, bit, they are different names for very three very close related plants. Look just alike to me, but it's a cool and loaded with pollinators. So, anyway, soon as soon as it gets hot, as soon as you mow a time or two, it's gone. Okay, now we got Orange saying I can go to Beatrice in Jackson. Morning, Beatrice.
0: Yes, yes. Hey, how you doing, Felder? Fine. What's it's, up? This is still. I stay out for old Kent and I think you gave me some yard advice some time ago. I might have.
2: Uh, I hope it was good.
0: Yes. Yeah, it was uh, the yard that I had that you uh, did see and you suggested that I put something on the bare area where my husband killed it with weed feed.
2: Oops. Killed it with weed feed. <laughs> Oops. Anyway, <laughs> and
0: so you made the suggestion, and it's grown back up. And as a matter of fact, the wildflowers that you were talking about do not mow. I did let it grow, and when somebody asked to mow it this week, I told them, no, because I don't want you to kill my flowers because I do have Will flowers coming up in that same area you've yeah, suggesting yeah. about. And it's beautiful. So my thing is, when you said about the no mo mark, I would suggest that you make some signs or give us a design along with your step of approval because you are well, <laughs> highly regarded in the gardening community.
2: And let us put it in our yard. Well, as a matter of fact, I do have a little small one that I came up with. I've I've been writing about this for a long time. I came up with a little small sign that just said uh, "pollinator Crossing, a little little round thing that's got a a butterfly on a flower. Uh, But there's a group of folks uh, here in Mississippi uh, working with folks around the South, um, and and it's it's a a group working on this concept called the Refuge Lawn. Refuge uh, is a a place where where pollinators can get away from the mowers and stuff like that. And uh, there's quite a few of us out there. But uh, Jim McCurdy, who's a turf scientist at Mississippi State, we're having our first ever seminar on that next month. So people are working on this. It's a great idea. And if you just put a sign, put a sign out there saying, we're doing this on purpose – People will understand, but right now the paradigm, uh, Beatrice, is you need to control weeds because we've been taught that for three generations. It's time to get away from that, except if you want to do it, but we want the default to be some flowers out there.
0: Yes, understood. Thank you so much.
2: All righty. We'll appreciate your call, Beatrice.
0: All right, then. No problem. (laughs)
2: oh boy that's per- perfect thing Horticulture's fellow russia and I would like to invite you if you're uh if you're philosophically philosophically phil whatever if you're so inclined to go online go to facebook it's not scary and go to Mississippi gardening. We've got 43,000 members, including Gary Bachman's on there, uh Carol Reese. we got all sorts of horticulturists, but it's for amateur gardeners, people who it's not going to – we don't shame people if you want to do this, that we don't care. It's about gardening, Mississippi gardening. And I put a whole thing in there about different kinds of daffodils that are blooming this time of year and their names, and also the difference between snowdrops and snowflakes. Hey, let's go to Madison. John's been hanging on for ever john thank you so much how's it going man well let me let me interrupt again real what? quick sorry let me remind everyone that this
1: podcast is brought to you by varicosity vein center so for more information about the varicosity vein center visit varicosity so we always appreciate our sponsors and we appreciate our callers as well so john and madison it is your turn
2: hey john thank you man what's going on
3: uh, not much. Thanks for the earworm, Phil. Don't have that song stuck <laughs> in my head all week. No, n-
2: nobody's ever heard the original version. Just the Tiny Tim version.
3: That's right. That's right. Uh, so, uh, you—it uh, was funny you were talking about uh, about the wildflowers. I live in a gated community with stockade fence, and my front yard looks like everybody else is hardly a weed in it. Uh, now is the HOA would be. Horrified if they saw my backyard, it, yes. it looks just like what you described the henbit, bit, uh, onions. Uh, there's a little wild onion that, that puts out this real delicate white flower that's real cool looking. But uh, all the wildlife's in the backyard looking at the birds, the squirrels, the bees, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I keep the HOA ha- happy in the front, and then I do what I want in the back. My my question was, uh, and, and hear me out here. I, I have two vegetable garden uh, plots, and uh, I usually rotate crops. You know, I'll put tomatoes in one and leave it together. Right. Keep, uh, I, can I plant the seed crops in one vegetable uh, plot, and the seedlings in the other vegetable plot? and put some pre-emerge down on the seedling bed and then switch them and have the pre-emerge kind of fade out by the time I'm ready to go back to seeds in that bed.
2: Oh, that's that's really that's a really good question and uh, and there's several pre-emerge out there and for folks who who don't know you put a pre-emerge down it's a granule sometimes it's a liquid you put it down there and it kills seedlings as the seeds sprout doesn't do any good to put it out after so it 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 prevents seeds from from turning into seedlings. Uh, and they're, they're a little bit tricky. You know, you got to put them down real shallow above the tr- s- the seas, and sometimes sunshine degrades them. So they're a little bit tricky. But to answer your question, a lot of times those pre emerge are gone within uh, a few months. Some may persist a little bit. I, I You know, it just depends on which one. Um, I, uh, are these big beds? These are raised beds, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, why not just you know mulch is a good pre-emerge. Mulch has a lot, a lot of different benefits, but it also keeps seeds from getting the sunlight they need to sprout. Some mulch, among all the other things, and I, you know whether it's bark or whatever, is a good pre-emerge. And then next time you plant, you just dig the mulch in, plant, add some more mulch, and you keep improving your soil that way. Whereas pre-emerge depend on having bare dirt out there. But anyway, to answer your question, I don't—I don't know how long your preferred pre-emerge would last. But in general, I would say give it at least a year, and—and and even then, I'm not sure.
3: Okay. Well, I'm not sure, uh weeds, but you know, weeds can be persistent. But uh, uh, I thought maybe two years. I just didn't want to do it, and have that, some of that pre-emerge last five years and you not know, be able to.
2: No no no. Uh you know a a year or two max. But uh you know uh, again pre by the way pre-merge does not work on perennial type of weeds that come up from plant part like Bermuda grass and stuff like that. It only works on seeds. And usually you're mulch. If you just dig your dirt really really good, cover it with mulch and when you get ready to plant, pull it back. And, uh, you know, that, that, you know, that, that takes care of it. So there's no, uh, farmers need pre-emerge because they have big, big fields full of stuff and they can't mulch. But in a backyard garden, I think if you just get the practice using mulch every time you plant, dig it in. Next time you plant, add more mulch. A lot of times that, that'll, that'll do it. And then you don't have to worry about it. So I don't, I don't have a problem with the pre-emerge, but it has challenges. And mulch a lot of times does the same thing. Just my experience.
3: All right. All right. Thanks.
2: Okay, good luck. Hey, appreciate you holding too. Okay, let's go down to Ocean Springs. Marcy, what's going on?
5: Well, I just wanted to respond to Abram because I think maybe some of that in his yard is
2: spiderwort. It uh, could be. Could be. Spiderwort get like knee-high, Abram.
1: It, they're not knee high yet, but they're about five or six inches up, so it could be. Uh, they haven't
2: bloomed yet, right? And
5: they grow in patches. They grow in patches all around.
2: Yeah, and they've got they got blue flowers, and they have like little uh, leaves that come out of the flower. Spiderwort. It's a good native plant.
1: Yeah, but, that that could definitely be it. it. I'm looking at dead nettle right now. Uh, let me pull up some spider wart and see.
2: Yeah, Spider
5: As soon as you see the picture.
2: <laughs> That's a good one. By the way, Marcy, have you ever tried to get rid of spider wart? And I always just end up mowing over it. <laughs> I do too. I I it's my great grandmother's favorite uh, native plant. She was a horticulturist, but I mean I don't think Roundup will even kill spider. It's a terrific North American native, uh, and oddly enough, it's named after it trade Scantia. It was named after. England's most prolific plant explorer, John Tradescant. And you go to London, right across River Thames from Big Ben, is, is an old uh, church with the History of Garden Museum, and it's got the Tradescant Garden, and it's just full of spider because they can't get rid of it.
5: <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, I'm adding that to my travel list. I want to tell you one quick thing. I actually did a little short presentation on you at my class the other night.
2: Oh, boy. Would well, did you keep it clean?
5: Of course. <laughs> it just, it's just for I'm doing interpreting training for the deaf.
2: Uh-huh. And
5: um, so we had to just do a little quick thing that was descriptive about a, a famous person, movie, actor, singer, whatever. And I told my teacher, I said, I don't know. I watch the news all the time. And then my sister said, do the garden man you listen to on the radio. And I said, <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> so I just did like seven slides, just made a little picture of the Delta and you
2: know, Indianola and said all the stuff you do and yep. Yeah. Well I hope hope it went over well.
5: <laughs> Nobody knew who you were uh,
2: That's right. You know, if you <laughs> well, don't so hey, here, the,
5: uh, everybody in my class is younger than me and my teacher's deaf. So she said I don't listen to the radio, I'm deaf.
2: <laughs> this this is the truth. If you don't listen to Mississippi Public Broadcasting or read the newspaper, I don't exist. (laughs) And I'm, uh, my ego, my ego is, I have, I have zero.
5: your your Amazon
2: page that has all your books on it, that was one of my slides. I oh, appreciate it. Well, I just, I'm an old guy trying to have some fun, and I do not – my ego is not involved in what I do, I do it at all. But anyway, appreciate it, Marcy. And thanks for the comment about spiderwort, one of my all-time favorite native wildflowers.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at them right now. These are beautiful, and I definitely do have some of it. I was def- – I I think dead nettle was what I was talking yeah. about, but I do have some of this in my yard as well.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I appreciate it, a whole bunch. Thank you for calling.
5: You're welcome.
2: Okay, let's go slide a little bit to the east to Mobile. Talk to Angie. Angie, good morning.
0: Good morning. How are you? I'm
2: fine, thank you. What's going on? You looking for something for your yard?
0: Uh yes, sir. I was looking for a shrub, and I wanted to have superpowers. Um, I, needed, I wanted to stay green um, pretty much all year long, bloom maybe twice a year or for a very long time, and be able to take the hot and the cold.
2: Well, there's actually quite a few of those. I've been working on uh, – I, I have lists that I, I, I can't I spend my career looking – for plants that do well and then narrow them down to the ones that are unkillable, whether it's daffodils or roses or, or flowers or whatever. Um, and there are not many shrubs that meet all those requirements, you know, cold and heat and drought and heavy rains and evergreen and bloom more than once a year. But there are some for the Gulf Coast that'll do fine. Um, there's almost too many to mention. What I would suggest would, would be to do a, in a space of a shrub, do a combination of things: a small shrub, something that also drops the leaves, and something that comes and goes with the season. You know, make a little little vignette there. Um, one of my and we have some good plants to do that. One of my all-time favorite all-year anchor plants that you cannot. Kill Uh, doesn't have great flowers. They had little sprays of white flowers in the spring. Loads of red berries in the in the the fall and winter and early spring. Great looking foliage that that are green in the spring, turns red in the in the fall and winter. It's called dwarf nandina. A lot of people don't like it because it's boring, it's old fashioned. It's boring and old fashioned because a lot of people plant it because it works. Uh, and some people say, well, it'll escape, it causes problems. That, that, don't worry about that. But the dwarf Nandina is one that only gets about knee high, there's one that gets about waist high. Uh, one called Harbor Dwarf gets about two, two and a half feet tall. Compacta gets three or four feet tall, but Nandina is a sturdy, dependable, all year plant that has Good foliage, got nice flowers in the spring. Not really, really showy, but but nice and loaded with bees. And then pretty berries in the winter. And then you can put something on either side of it that gives you some uh, some better flowers. Okay. Uh, You know, you can also go out to uh to the to the botanical garden and walk through the little herb garden area, and they got a lot of nice herbs. I mean, rosemary does well. You know, it's not a great you know doesn't have great flowers, but as far as something just really sturdy, I've written books and books and books on this, and so I'm I'm just confused with my choices. But if you were to send me an email. I could give you a list of a few, including some really good native plants that do uh, that, that fit that bill. But uh, if you'll send me an email, I'd be glad to send you my my list of really durable plants that do well. And just go to Felderushing dot blog. Got a little thing there that says email me.
3: Okay, well, thank you so very much, sir. And I mm-hmm. hope you guys
0: have a good day. I love your show.
2: Yeah. Oh, let me let me also mention. I just thought of another. There is a type of azalea. If you do a good job of planting it, you know, dig a nice wide hole, add a little stuff to your dirt, uh there's a plant called Encore azalea. It's evergreen, grows great on the coast, blooms in the spring and again in the fall. But Encore azalea is gonna be as long as you can water at least once a month during a hot dry spell, it it would do fine also. Okay. Um one
0: one last thing. Can you suggest
2: something that's not a type of azalea that's very
3: flowery I, I would, I, a couple times
2: a year? I wouldn't even know where to start. You know, the, the little small drift roses, you know, they're not evergreen, but they look nice all year. But but drift roses bloom nonstop without a whole bunch of sprays and stuff. There's just too, too many to even get in. Shoot me an email.
3: All right. Thank you so much. You guys have a great weekend. Hey,
2: thanks for joining us today, Angie. And I want to remind folks, I'm going to be at the uh, home show in Pearl tomorrow. My talk starts at 1030. I will have my old truck out there. And basically, it's off of Airport Road. You go on Interstate 20, Airport Road, go towards the airport, a couple of red lights, and it's got a big sign. You turn on, you know, like the first or second red light. But it's at the Clyde Muse uh, Center. But Anyway, Airport Road exit off of I-20 in Pearl, Go towards the airport, a couple of red lights, and it's got a big sign, 1030. Okay, let's go to Hattiesburg. Bob, good morning, sir.
3: Hey, Felder, thanks for taking
2: my call. You bet. I, I, I almost killed myself last night. I was coming back from the kill, driving back late at night, and I made a bad mistake. I stopped at Ward's and got me a big old double biggin', and it almost killed me before I got back to Jackson and made me so sleepy.
3: <laughs> I understand that. It happened to Lots of people.
2: Yeah, what's, what What can I help you with?
3: All right, Felder, this is a question. Like, you have a, a, a residential lot that's got a lot of big pine trees. Oh, yeah. And, and they get eat up with the pine board beetles. I wonder if you, the expense of having them removed, could you charge that off your income tax as a loss? Nope. You never heard of that, huh?
2: I've heard of it. But, I mean about charging it off. Yeah, yeah, I, I, but no, you can't. You know, if you were uh, if you were growing them for profit, you know, as a forestry type thing, you could yeah. because it's a crop. But just as far as a yard plant, nope, can't do it. Mr. Felder, thank you. Oh, yeah. And by the way, you don't have to cut those things down. If they're not going to hurt something, they typically fall. Sometimes they fall sideways, but pine trees typically, uh, when they get killed by pine beetles or lightning, they typically fall straight down a piece at a time. And meanwhile, you got woodpeckers and owls and stuff living in it. So you don't have to cut them down to keep the beetles from spreading. The beetles are already there. So that's that's a forestry practice. So... Rather than spend 1000 thousand, two, $3,000 per tree, if they're not going to hurt anything, you could just leave them. It's perfectly okay.
3: I understand that, Felder, if they wouldn't close to the house.
2: Yeah, oh, it's a, you know, pine, pine trees are not landscape trees. They're forest product plants. Yeah. And sooner or later, lightning or beetle is going to take them down. Anyway, well, I, I wish you could take them off, but you can't.
3: Okay, Mr. Felder, thank
2: you. Okay, appreciate it. All now let's go to uh, Mobile. Mikey, starting to run out of time, and how are you this morning?
0: Hey, I'm good, and I hate to bring this subject up of killing some plants at the very end of the show, yeah. but I, I'm, I'm doing the best I can here.
2: <laughs> well, let's um, cut to the chase because we're almost out of time.
0: Uh, how do you kill um, St. Augustine and, or preferably and, uh, not mixed together? In separate areas. Yeah. St. Augustine. Saint Augustine uh, and um, uh, uh, this Jasmine.
2: Yeah. yeah uh, okay. St. Okay. Augustine easy to kill. Hit it with a roundup. Easy to kill. Cover it with cardboard or hit it with roundup. St. Augustine easy to kill. Uh, Jasmine has slick leaves, so herbicides B don't roll off, so the best thing to do is get out there and pull it up. The roots are not that deep. If the ground is moist, you can pull it up, and it's, uh, it'll half kill you the first time, but if you... Come right back a couple, of three months later and get what you missed. You can get rid of all of it with one good pulling and two or three smaller pullings. And stay on top of it. That's the approach. I mean, if there's anything easier, I would do it. But that's how I do it in my yard.
0: Uh, the, I ended up in the hospital the last time I pulled a jasmine. I, I, um, just, uh, out of my yard and my neighbor's. Uh, uh, and I, I, I thought I, it was you, gone. You, it you, ain't. You you, know, it's
2: growing in the, okay, you, 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 the you, street. Um, you asked me what I, – I gave you the answer that I would do, and I would pull it up, and it's not fun. But if you stay on top of it, you can get it. Most of it the first time – Come right back and get what comes back, and it'll make it. And uh, anyway, Bert uh, from Jackson, sorry I didn't get to you. The answer is yeah, pull your pine straw away from your irises. <laughs> I hope to see some of y'all at the uh, home show in Pearl tomorrow, ten thirty, uh, and uh, it's going to be wild. I'm gonna have my 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 truck there. Also, I'm gonna be in Startville at the library next Thursday afternoon at three o'clock. Hope to see some of y'all there. It's real informal. We're gonna whoop it up, and uh, as usual, hey, if you get a chance, it's gonna the weather's gonna be nice. It's cold, it's chilly, but we can still do stuff out in the yard. So if you get a chance, go to a garden center, see what they got. Don't plant summer stuff yet, but find some way to get out and get dirty. This is an MPB
0: Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.